0: Welcome to the Pint Glass Football Podcast. This is Pint Glass Football, drink beer, talk football. If you're new to the show, be sure to subscribe, follow, and rate and review the podcast. Follow on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at PGF Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Fowler, and McKinsey Brewing is the official beer of Pint Glass Football. Follow them at McKenzie Brewing and McKenzieBrewing.com to check out their lineup of award-winning craft beers. Got a great show today, PGF Nation. We're going to talk about the Monday Night Thriller in Nashville and some other big NFL games from Week 6. Another top-five team gets upset in college football. A preseason Heisman favorite gets benched. And more from Week 7 in college football. Give out this week's game balls and helmet stickers update the pgf power rankings of the top 10 teams in the nfl right now and let ty tell me where i'm right or wrong and of course we'll end the show with our pick six segment where we'll pick our six best bets of the week ahead excited to be joined by radio and podcast legend my co-host tyrone powell what is up ty
1: nothing much how you doing this evening
0: Man, I am so excited, Ty. Another amazing week in the books. We've got so much to get to. Excited to do it. Excited to do another episode for you guys, PGF Nation. It has been an absolute blast. What a crazy year in football. Where do you think we should start here, Ty? I'm thinking that Monday Night Thriller in Nashville.
1: I mean, it was a doozy of one, and it came down to the final whistle. And, and, you know, those are the games that you don't want to walk away from, if good or bad. You want to be on the good end, but somebody has to lose.
0: Yeah, man, that was amazing. These Monday night games have been incredible. We've had so many good ones that have come down to the wire this year. We had another one the other night, and Derrick Henry, aka Jim Brown 2.0, according to my co-host here, was a beast with 20 carries for 150. 43 yards and 7.2 yards per carry average and three touchdowns. Man, he showed again why he is hands down the best running back in the game today, leading the NFL in rushing with his fifth
1: straight 100-plus-yard game, Tyrone. The crazy part about it is if he had help at the quarterback position, They would probably be close to undefeated or undefeated at this point in time. If Tannehill were sharper or better throughout these games, it'd be pretty interesting on how to deal with Tennessee. And the defense finally came through and had a good game up against Buffalo. But I'm telling you, the way that this guy looks, he's getting 100 yards easy. And the worst part about it, majority of that 100 yards came on one run straight up the middle. And by the time he got to the linebacker, the safety was in trouble, whether to either make the tackle or to run as fast as he is, because he's fast to be that big. So it's a problem having to deal with Derrick Henry. Anything after the first level, that's a business decision or a career decision if they want to mess around and get trampled by this beast running all over town.
0: Man, I, I couldn't agree more, Ty. This guy is a dump truck going downhill with no brakes. It is absolutely scary. Nobody wants to get in this guy's way. He is so fun to watch, man. We just haven't seen anything like him. I loved your Jim Brown 2.0 call that you had last week, because you might have to go back that far to see a guy that is similar to Derrick Henry, where he's just bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic than everybody else on the field, and it just shows up week in, week out, and you hit it on the head. Ryan Tannehill, I've been saying it for a couple years now, he's just a very mediocre quarterback. He's not a terrible quarterback, but he's probably in that 12 to maybe 15 range as far as top guys in the league. And it really is kind of a shame because if Derrick Henry had an elite guy under center, I can't even imagine what kind of numbers this guy could be putting up if they weren't able to just load the box against him. And it still doesn't matter. He just runs over guys, runs around guys. He's just incredible. He's so fun to watch. On the other side of the ball here, Ty, Josh Allen had a big game in this one with 353 yards, three touchdowns. In one interception. The big issue for Buffalo right now is they have got to find a running game of their own outside of their quarterback.
1: That that's absolutely disgusting. I, I don't like the way that they can't get a running back there. There's been so many different opportunities to get good running backs there and they just won't corral them. This is what bothers me in like all the sports, but I'll just keep it the football where teams are struggling in one area and they just won't fulfill it and they try to you know, go through the draft and make these guys work on the fly when there's a huge need at this situation. Between Singletary and Moss, the leading running back was Singletary with 27 yards and five carries. That's very futile. But you have a guy in Allen actually throwing this ball 47 times. You you are close to having him in a 50-throw range where this guy's going to end up burning out by the end of the season. And there were some plays in this game where he missed some throws, and, and the question mark will lie in front of Allen, because as of this performance, yeah, he did have a high passing yard total, but he fell out of the MVP rankings with this game on the line. So um, I, I feel like it's bad and unfortunate that I'm saying this, but they were... One of those one loss teams where there's a lot of quarterbacks across the board that have one loss too. So this is what may hurt him as well as others that have lost in this past weekend. So um, again, like you said, they need an offensive a, a line that could create for this running game because every time they run the ball, you, you can tell it's going to be a one or three yard carry, and that's it. They don't have any luster to get you a seven or a ten yard run unless Josh Allen drops back in shotgun and just takes off and, and puzzles the defense. So I'm definitely all on all, all hands on deck with you about that situation.
0: Yeah, in this game, I mean, like we talked about, it was absolutely awesome to watch, though, Ty. It was a shootout with seven lead changes in this game. It felt like whoever had the ball last was going to win. But down three on their final possession, Josh Allen was shut out on the fourth and one play near the goal line with a quarterback sneak that got destroyed by defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons. The Titans get the ball back with 12 seconds and took a knee for the big home win here. But a field goal there would have tied the game and forced overtime more than likely with 12 seconds to go. So I got to know, Ty, do you like the decision by the Bills to go for it? And secondly, do you like the play call?
1: I feel like the Bills have a good enough defense to make that stop in overtime. I don't like the two calls. We have to dig in depth even further because the third down play that they had before that, there were receivers open. Josh Allen takes off, like usual. I still feel like he's young, and these situations do happen. And uh, he scrambles for the, the marker, and he's short. And he thinks he's there because he has that six six frame and thinks he's wiry enough to get there. They stopped him short, and he didn't get that. And then they come around with the same situation they want him to make the run if you look at the flow of the offensive line in front of him they flow to his right he scrambles left and slips so not only did he slip these linemen were waiting to see him do that and they were right there in his face and he's short so bad situation by McDermott I I think one either you got to get a power back or some running back that can make the defense stay honest and two stop trying to run this quarterback in the dirt because you're going to mess around and get him hurt and you put a ton of money into this investment, um, I I don't like it. As good as he is, as as strong as an arm that he has, uh, there's a lot on the line with him going down the road. So I'm I'm concerned about these scenarios that the uh, Buffalo Bills face. But I agree, they should have kicked the field goal to force overtime and let that defense try to win the game. And who knows, you guys could have won the coin toss yourselves.
0: Yeah, that's true. You know, it's kind of one of those interesting topics that's been going on today on a lot of different podcasts, sports radio and and whatnot, about going for it versus kicking the field goal. I know for me growing up, Ty, when we were kids and when we were watching football, even 10, 15 years ago, it would have been a no-brainer there just to kick that field goal. And we live in a different era now, though, where teams are going for it more and more and more. In these fourth down situations. And it didn't surprise me that they went for it. For me, I didn't necessarily hate that they went for it there. I really didn't like the play call. I didn't like the quarterback sneak there. I feel like when you've got an athletic quarterback like Allen, who's got a big time arm, why not roll him out of the pocket on some kind of RPO or play action rollout, a bootleg, something where you can get him moving and he can decide whether he wants to try to run it in or throw for it. I just feel like that would have put a lot more pressure on the defense than just trying to squeeze in the quarterback sneak there versus you know these big defensive linemen. Regardless, I wasn't a huge fan of the play call. I didn't hate that they went for it, but I'm with you. It's a different day and age now because I feel like it used to be a no-brainer. Just kick the field goal, go to overtime and try to win it. And you could be right. That one could have came back to haunt him there, but It was definitely a fascinating game. Another game that really got my attention, Ty, was the LA Chargers and the Baltimore Ravens game this past Sunday. This Chargers team had been the best team on third and fourth down coming into this game. And hats off to the Ravens for frustrating and slowing down Justin Herbert and this LA offense.
1: I tip my hat to Baltimore altogether as an organization to go through all of the disarray that they face coming into the season. Two running backs. With season-ending injuries, they having to pick this up off the fly with their third string and practice squad players and still able to get this done. We have just talked about, to me, and I'm going to say this here, PGF, the two players that I feel should be leading MVP is Derrick Henry and Lamar Jackson. Right now, the way that these two have been playing, they've been leading their teams. The Titans come up with a big win right now up against the Bills, where we just transitioned from into this game. And for Lamar Jackson to be as steady as he's playing, being able to make these defenses remain honest and knowing what they have to deal with, whether he's going to run the ball or throw the ball, you have to stay honest and he still doesn't have all the weapons that he needs and he's still one of the top passers in the game, let alone he's probably the lead running back (laughs) in the league that's playing quarterback. This is phenomenal play by God is getting it done by a lot of people that don't think that he belongs in the conversation of MVP or uh, elite quarterbacks. Let me tell you, he's won an MVP already. If he can pull off some postseason wins and get this thing rolling, they have to pay respects to what Lamar Jackson been able to do between him and Derrick Henry. These guys should be leading the league in MVP talk, but we'll get there shortly out.
0: Yeah, Ty, we definitely will touch on some MVP talk here in a minute. I love those picks, though, and I want to dive into that further here. But to finish looking up at this game here, the Chargers, they came up empty on their first five possessions. And when you see how good this Chargers offense had been coming into this game, the balanced attack Herbert in this running game, the weapons on the outside, they have really been moving the ball well. For that Ravens defense to really play at such a high level, we hadn't seen it all year. The Ravens defense had really been kind of a question mark coming into this game, and they played the game of the year so far for them. Just an outstanding game plan by the Baltimore Ravens. You're right about Lamar Jackson. The guy's been unbelievable. But if you told me Lamar Jackson would only have 167 yards passing, 51 yards rushing and one touchdown with two picks. Before this game, I would have told you that LA is going to blow him out. No doubt about it. But it was quite the opposite. So, this was a great team win for Baltimore. Lamar is still an incredible player. Don't get me wrong. But he came out and actually played a fairly mediocre game by his standards. And this Baltimore team still rolled versus a very good LA Chargers team. This was an impressive win. It was a balanced running game, and the defense dominated. And suddenly, Ty, the Ravens are the AFC North favorites, not the Cleveland Browns. And what do you know, Baltimore back on top in that division. It's been theirs and Pittsburgh's forever and ever. And everyone, not everyone, but almost everyone coming into this year was talking Cleveland and Super Bowl and this and that. But Baltimore is starting to pull away in this division.
1: Knowing that Baltimore has been able to do this year in and year out and keep that black and blue rivalry between the Steelers effective and efficient. Uh, This is clearly looking like it's the Ravens, unless I really want to say if the, the Steelers turn this around the way that they're actually putting wins together.
0: Yeah, they've put two together in a row here. They had that big week one win against Buffalo and then really kind of hit a bad stretch there. But Pittsburgh, I don't know if they're necessarily a contender in this division, but we knew they weren't just going to fade into darkness, right? This team has had way too much success way too much veteran leadership, way too much talent, especially on the defense, and way too good of a head coach for them to just fold up like a cheap tent. So Pittsburgh comes back and ends up looking like a competitive team again, So hats off to them for kind of riding the ship here and getting back in the mix. But we talked about it before the season started, Ty. This is a really deep division. Cincinnati making big improvements this this year, and they're in the mix. Cleveland's been the biggest disappointment, and they're still 500, so they're not a bad team either. This has just been a really, really good division, top to bottom, a black and blue division. But Baltimore looks like the class of that division right now. I want to shift to another big-time game that a lot of people watched. I'm sure you probably tuned into this one as well, Ty. The Dallas Cowboys and New England Patriots. The Cowboys really didn't play very well versus an inferior team in this one. I mean, let's just call it what it is here, Ty. This is a roster mismatch, but they found a way to win. That's what championship-level teams do in this league.
1: The crazy part about the situation is that the Patriots were able to keep pace with them throughout this game. But the one thing about it, I feel like the Cowboys' defense has now matched their offense. And um, I'm going to say this here, PGF. The best cornerback in the game is Trayvon Diggs. It is no longer Jalen Ramsey. The way that Trayvon is making these reads on these passes, being able to not only turn them over, but scoring defenses, killing teams. He's scoring touchdowns. And he got help from his brother, Stefan. Stefan told him probably a lot of the tricks of the trade, being able to sharpen each other. If they could actually get turnovers and takeaways this at this pace, it's going to be hard to stop an offense with Zeke with a chip on his shoulder to prove that he can actually run the ball in a passing game that's making it pretty supreme for Dak to be a part of this MVP discussion.
0: Yeah, Dak is certainly in the mix for MVP. And like I said, we're going to touch on that here in a second, but... He's playing so lights out. This offense is so dynamic and so balanced. It's easily one of the best teams in the NFL right now. And we'll get to the PGF power rankings as well. And you'll have to see where I've got them, PGF Nation. But this team's legit. And I'm starting to really buy in. I've started to buy in these last couple of weeks. This team has playmakers at almost every position. And you hit on it, Ty. This young defense just continues to impress me. And Trayvon Diggs has been outstanding. I mean, this guy is turning into a corner that you're going to have to go away from if you're a quarterback. You cannot throw at this guy anymore. He's got amazing hands for a corner, he's got big time playmaking skills, and he is a serious threat. He's turning into a lockdown corner. And for such a young player, to be playing at this high a level and taking this big of a step in his career, he's been absolutely amazing. This defense has been awesome, and credit to Dan Quinn. We talked about it last week. What Dan Quinn has done to this defense is absolutely astonishing because this was a historically bad defense last year. They weren't just bad. They were terrible, and they've quickly become one of the better units in the NFL. It's the reason that now you've got this fireworks show on the offensive side and you've got the defense playing at a high level. This is looking like one of the best teams in the NFL. I want to give credit to the Patriots for making this a game. This is one of those games where you're playing for pride. You've got a great all-time great coach and a great organization that really made this closer than most experts thought, taking it into overtime. But like we talked about, this Cowboys team, it's it's just a roster mismatch. Patriots just did not have the horses to hang with these guys. When push came to shove, they made the plays to win it. For right now, the only thing that I think can keep the Dallas Cowboys from legit Super Bowl contention is Mike McCarthy. His decision-making and clock management tie, quite frankly, is a joke. And he is the worst coach on that Cowboys roster.
1: We can't put this all on Mike McCarthy anymore. Uh, He's already in a situation where he's been to a Super Bowl already. He's won one already. He just had to get the right hands on deck to make it happen. I understand that him and Mike Nolan were friends. But please, people, do not hire Mike Nolan again. He did a bad job while he was in San Francisco. He comes to Dallas and has a bad time with his defense. They enter Dan Quinn, who had a tough time in Atlanta to turn that organization around, and it just couldn't happen. He comes here with a sharp situation with leadership at the top that's got a point to prove, and he's out there to prove himself as well. Everything is going hand-in-hand, especially with a powerful offense, similar to what he's used to seeing out there in Green Bay when he had Aaron Rodgers. This can no longer be a Mike McCarthy issue. This has to be the talent that's on the field. And if they remain healthy, I I repeat, Dallas will definitely be in the playoffs and be a team that you have to worry about if they can actually get to an NFC championship and a Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, well, they're a legit contender, certainly. I just I question some of his decision makings in game in the clock management issues. Frankly, go back to Green Bay. He's had an issue with the clock for a long time. In a big game versus a good team. It could come back to haunt this Cowboys team, but right now, all is well, and they keep rolling along. So, Ty, before we jump into this MVP conversation, I want to get your pick for the NFL Week 6 game ball. Who do you got?
1: I have to go with Derrick Henry. I can't get away from the way that this guy's been playing ball. As much as I wanted to go to this game that we were just speaking on, but I have to go to one of them that we already talked about. For us to see him go up against the Buffalo Bills defense, who they're a pretty good defense, knowing it's Monday night, everybody's watching, he still goes out there, and knowing that he's averaging over 100 yards a game and close to two touchdowns a game, he goes out there and does it on Monday night. And not only that, he's the guy that basically won the game single-handedly because it was no strong help in the passing game. I mean, you got got Hill that's giving you 215 yards, but he's 20 carries, 143 yards, and averaging over 7 yards a carry. This is what this guy is doing with three touchdowns. And like I said, the home run, 76-yard run, captivated everything. I, I can't take anything away from the King himself, King Henry, uh, a monster. If they could get Julio to start clicking in his offense, along with what A.J. was able to produce, this would be phenomenal work.
0: Yeah, it was a monster performance, tie, No doubt about it. Great choice for the Week 6 game ball. My game ball tie is going to go to L.A. Rams free safety, Taylor Rapp, the third year safety out of Washington, had a career day versus New York with five tackles, a quarterback hit, three pass breakups, and two interceptions. He was absolutely lights out in that secondary for the LA Rams and had a monster impact in this game. He's a guy that a lot of LA Rams fans have been critical of this year. So I'm really happy for him to come out and have a monster game and show just how talented of a player he is. Even though he's been a little bit inconsistent, he came up big this week. So he's got the week six game ball for me. All right, Ty. So week six is in the books. We're going into week seven. I thought it would be a good time to kind of check in on the MVP favorites. I pulled up a list from one of the Vegas casinos that had the odds for MVP so far. And I wanted to get your take on this list, who you like and who you don't. You kind of touched on two guys that you really liked. If you had to pick one, though, who would be your MVP so far in the NFL?
1: This is very tough right now because at uh, the beginning of the season, I've seen a lot of teams that I put in perspective to do well this season, and some of them are actually panning out. Um, One is doing well ahead of schedule, and I felt like I swung for the fence, and I finally hit a home run in the Cardinals. Kyler Murray would definitely be the guy that I want to go with, but I can't look any further. The song that everybody should know since the 60s, and it goes, there's a story of a guy named Brady. Can't get away from what Tom Brady's up up to this season. Tom Brady is the MVP for me right now until somebody out there knocks him off. In the words of Ric Flair, in order to be the man, you have to beat the man. He's on top of the NFL after winning the Super Bowl. He's on pace. He could end up with over 55 touchdowns. That's the NFL record that Peyton Manning holds. 5,500 yards passing, which uh, they said that he may touch 6,000. I'm like, there's no way that I could see that happening, but the potential is there because he's at 2,000 now. So let's just say if he has – this is the first third to get this pace going. If he hits 6,000 yards, there's clearly no more debating if he's the GOAT. If he puts up over 55 touchdowns thrown with the offense that he has – And with the pieces that have been in and out of that lineup, you had Antonio Brown that had COVID. You got Gronk that's missing several games. Mike Evans is not himself. He is not contributing like you want him to. And he's still effective and efficient for Tampa to be the powerhouse that they are. If people don't slow them down, he'll be right back in the Super Bowl and it'll be punishing to see Brady put up his eighth.
0: Man, Ty, I'll tell you what, Brady is the guy for me too. He really is, and he was the guy I was going to say. He's got to be the MVP frontrunner right now. He's not. Right now, most sports books have him as the third or fourth best odds to win the MVP. I find that shocking because you hit on it. First in the league in passing yards, second in the league in passing touchdowns, putting up some of the best numbers of his career, a career that is the greatest of all time in the history of the NFL. At the age of 44, it's completely unprecedented. I can't stop giving this guy enough credit. You hit on it as well. This team has dealt with a lot of injuries, and he just keeps rolling along and playing at such an incredible level. A few years ago, a reporter asked Tom Brady how long he thought he would play, and he said he thought he would play till 45. And a lot of us rolled our eyes and were like, are you kidding, 45? That's completely unheard of. Well, here he is at 44 playing at an MVP level, there's no doubt he could play to 45, and who knows how far beyond that. What he's doing is just, it defies odds. It It's unbelievable. I shake my head. I don't even know what to say. I'm almost speechless at what I've seen from Tom Brady this late in his career. I think it's almost at that point now, Ty. It's similar to when you look at Michael Jordan at the peak of his career in the 90s. There almost became a narrative where writers and analysts didn't want to keep giving Jordan the MVP award, even though we all knew he was clearly the MVP. It's almost like they get tired of the same narrative and they start looking for a different storyline. We've also seen this in LeBron James's career where they give an MVP to a guy like Derrick Rose or... You know, somebody that clearly is an inferior player to LeBron because they get tired of giving it to the same guy who's been the best in the league for so long. We see it with all-time great type of players. We're seeing this now with Brady where I can't believe he's not the favorite, let alone he's in that three to four range as far as the odds. He would be my pick, certainly. If I'm going to make a bet, though, to look at it that way, I love Lamar Jackson right now at the sportsbook I'm looking at. Getting plus 1,200 for MVP odds, I can't believe he's all the way down at number eight on the list that I'm looking at right now. How he's not in the top two or three really uh, is head-scratching. I don't understand it. We've talked about him. You talked about him earlier. He's just unbelievable, and he's absolutely carrying this team right now. I think the only knock on him is the turnovers have been an issue. But you really can't give much fault otherwise because he's just been so electric and so dynamic, throwing, running, just doing everything to keep Baltimore winning here. Kyler Murray is a guy that it looks like with my odds, I've got him at the number at plus 450 right now. He's a guy to keep your eyes on. I think he could easily be an MVP. And let's face it, a lot of it has to do with the team's success. They're undefeated. They're rolling along. They're putting up huge numbers. When, you're, when you've got a great record and you're playing at a high level for a great team, usually that can get you a lot of votes as well. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Murray in the mix, Dak Prescott at number four, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, and Matthew Stafford rounding out the rest of this top list. But it's definitely fascinating to look at. It'll be really interesting to see how it plays out and kind of where the votes start to swing here week to week because you're right. I think Josh Allen took a hit here on this Monday night game, but he certainly belongs in the mix as well.
1: I, I actually feel like he falls after that game. Um, There were plays that he had on the field that he left there. For me, I'm going to go Brady number one, as I mentioned, Kyler Murray two, because without him, there, there's no undefeated team. And just like I said, between Derrick Henry and Lamar Jackson, I think they round out the top four to me. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a smooth five to round out the top five. Because the Packers, in and out of every season, you have to worry about number 12 coming out on that field, regardless if he doesn't have the pieces or not. If he's dealing with injuries, he'd find some way to win these games and have the numbers that he's putting up. He's not having the gaudy season that we're used to. But they are still on a, what, five-game winning streak at this point in time. Losing that game to New Orleans, everybody thought that that was embarrassing. They've been beating everybody soundly, enough to be 5-1 and one at this point in time. Again, I got Brady, I got Murray, I will give the edge to Lamar over Henry because they know that this is a quarterback. You know what? I'm going to switch that up. I'm going to go Derek number three because of the way that he's been playing as much as I love Lamar and the way that he's been playing ball. I'll go number four with him. And Aaron Rodgers sits at five.
0: The fact that Derek Henry is not even on the list of top guys is utterly ridiculous because this guy absolutely deserves to be in the discussion for MVP And it feels like he's nowhere near getting enough credit for what he's done. He's on a historical pace right now, not only to potentially have another monster 2000 type yard season, but I was actually looking today that he's on pace to potentially even break the all-time NFL rushing yards leader from Emmitt Smith. So I know that's a long ways out and a lot can change, but that's what kind of pace this guy's career has been on. And the fact that he's not in the discussion is alarming. And I'm totally with you. I think he has to be brought up when you're talking about MVP, certainly. He's been an absolute monster. I want to shift to the college ranks here, Ty. Had some great college football games and a big upset that we're going to get to. But one of the big upsets that a lot of people didn't see coming, myself included here, PGF Nation, was LSU winning against number 20 Florida. I should say then number 20 Florida. What's crazy about this upset, Ty, is right after the game, we find out that LSU decides to fire coach Ed Ogeron. And the timing just seems really strange to me. This is a guy that we knew was on the hot seat, but to make this decision in the middle of the year after his team has one of its best wins of the year felt really odd. What are your thoughts on that and the the game itself, Ty?
1: The fall of this team, uh, they win a national championship two years ago, and now they're in a situation where not only are they fighting to save their season, they are not even ranked in the entire top 25. And I feel like they have a ton of talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball, year in and year out, for them not to be even considered. They lost a lot of questionable games, and I feel like LSU feels like they can go to a different avenue to make this thing turn around. I think Orgeron will definitely get a job leaving there. They'll finish out the remainder of the season as best as possible, but right now, the way that LSU is actually and going up against Florida and winning this one at home in the SEC battles is another thing, but I wouldn't think that they would have made this news in the middle of the season. I think they would have definitely waited to the end of the season to make this happen. This is letting me know that they are not messing around in Baton Rouge.
0: Yeah, and the standard is higher there. I mean, let's face it, this This is a team that the last three head coaches have all won a national title. So there's a different standard at LSU. Being a 500 type of team is not going to get it done. And we know that and we knew that that seat was hot. But I don't think it was just about the wins and losses, Ty. I dug a little bit deeper and started reading a lot of articles and some stories and reports that had come out about this. There was a lot of behind the scenes stuff. That I think really turned people off to the Ed Ogeron situation at in LSU because you hit on it. Not even two years removed from a national title, everything that I had read is that this actually had a lot to do with Donald Trump and the Ross Stellinger article that I had read. That Coach Ed Ogeron was on Fox News supporting Trump and the team really was against this. They were really thought it was distasteful. They didn't like it. It was during the time of the George Floyd and big social justice movement that was really sweeping the nation at the time. And there's a lot of reports now that say that's really when he lost the team, is when that happened. Now, regardless of your political views, why even go on Fox News or CNN for that matter? It just doesn't make sense. Why even put it out there? why put yourself in that position? Do we know which way Nick Saban votes? No. Do we know which way Mike Krzyzewski votes? No. Of course not, because they're too smart to put themselves out there and give people a reason to not like them or to not trust them or not believe in them. I just thought it was a really poor decision by him. Those stories I find fascinating. There's also reports that came out that say he was bringing girlfriends of his to practice. He was recently divorced from his wife. He had several different girlfriends apparently at practice. Plus, he's involved in this Title IX lawsuit. It's really messy. There was a lot of stuff behind the scenes that made this really easy, I should say, for LSU to cut the cord here and move on. Now, if the Tigers had been playing at a national championship level still, let's face it, they would have pushed all that other stuff aside. And that's the unfortunate truth when it comes to winning and losing in a results-driven business like college football. But the fact that you're not winning at a high enough level and you've got all this outside noise around you, it seemed like they had to move on. But what's really interesting is that he's going to finish the rest of the year as the coach, but... This is going to be an attractive job. They're going to have their choice of some of the best college football coaches in the country to knock on some doors here, Ty. Who do you like as the possible next head coach at LSU?
1: Oh, this is very interesting to see what names could get down there. They were trying to throw Dabo out there. Dabo actually made a statement as recent enough to say that I have my own death valley to worry about. Big coaches in a smaller conference that could come out here and set fire like the Cincinnati coach. I mean, the head coach out there in Cincinnati is doing a great job, and I want to talk about what they've been up there doing in Cincinnati as well, too. So we might have that situation revisit revisit itself. Or if they could get any coach out of the NFL to actually come out of that region and make a different impact. I want to see if somebody that is actually struggling up there, like Eric bien to try and find a job, because I really feel like he should be coaching in the league, but they have not really given him his opportunity think it's either him or luke fickle and uh, see if he can come out of there if he can get out of cincinnati and go down there and turn that that organization around like he did cincinnati
0: yeah i love those choices i think those are two names that are certainly going to be brought up luke fickle's done such an outstanding job with cincinnati and i love the eric Bieniemy choice there ty because you're right this is a guy who probably should have a shot as an nfl head coach But he's been linked to the USC job possibly, and there's starting to be a little more buzz that he might look at a major college football program like an LSU. So I think that would be an outside-the-box hire that would be outstanding. But it'll be fascinating to see which direction they go. I know James Franklin is a guy who's really at the top of everyone's list as far as high-profile college football coaching jobs. The coach at Penn State right now, he's been there eight years, and there's a lot of people that think he might be ready to move on So a guy that coached in the SEC at Vanderbilt, he's familiar with that territory and playing in that conference. So that was another guy that might be a a name to look at. Crazy what's unfolded down there at LSU. But what else is crazy, Ty, was the biggest upset of the weekend. These big upsets, Ty, these big top five, top ten upsets just keep happening Week in and week out in college football, it has been total chaos. Down goes number two, Iowa, after one of the best starts they've had in a really long time, losing to Purdue of all teams. Purdue dominated this game, tie. They dominated the line of scrimmage. Iowa could really never get it going. What did you make of this
1: game? Iowa is who I thought they were. <laughs> I didn't think it would happen at this early portion of the st- uh, season. I really thought that they would probably survive the remainder of the season, go to a Big Ten championship, or when the storm started to come around them around the last 9, 10, 11 games of the season, and then they face a tough game and lose it. Um, for them to lose at home, up against an unraked team, this is what bothered me about Iowa year in and year out. I said this weeks ago, prove it to me that you guys are real. And the colors that they wear are black and fool's gold. They're selling everybody short on these seasons where they get 10, 11 wins. You think that they could do what they could win a Big Ten, and they just can't. They can't put it together. They can't win a Big Ten to an Iowa team that year in, year out, doesn't have less than like nine wins. They they put up a strong season, but somehow, some way, it all falls apart.
0: I didn't necessarily think Iowa would be a Big Ten contender, so to speak. I thought they might be. They, they certainly looked like a team that could be in the mix. I didn't expect them to go undefeated in the Big Ten. I definitely didn't think that would be the case. However, I didn't expect them to lose to an unranked team like Purdue, a very mediocre team in the Big Ten, and not only lose – but really get blown out and embarrassed. That was the most surprising thing about this. I think now looking back, I should have realized now watching this game, it dawned on me that Iowa has a big flaw that I'm surprised I didn't see earlier. And that's that the Iowa offense just doesn't produce enough explosive plays and that that defense had really bailed them out all year long with turnovers, but they couldn't do it in this game. When you look at Iowa, they just lack the running backs and wide receivers that can make those big explosive game changing plays. It's an embarrassing loss. I mean, let's, let's just call it what it is. This is an embarrassing loss. Purdue finished nine of 16 on third down versus that Iowa defense that had been so good, a defense that was holding opponents to only 34.1% conversion percentage. So Purdue being able to have their way on those big downs and keep the chains moving was really shocking hats off to Purdue quarterback, Aiden O'Connell, who had 375 yards passing in this game. I love the fool's gold call Ty, because They certainly are looking like it. Now, they could bounce back and still have a very nice season. But as far as them being contenders, as far as them being a playoff team possibly, I think that all went up in
1: smoke. They have a puzzling next couple of games coming up where I actually wanted to challenge you if they won this game because I feel like this is a winnable game or they should have won. But they lost to Purdue, so this is out of the way. They have Wisconsin and Camp Randall. They have Northwestern. They have Minnesota and they have Illinois, and they round out the season up against Nebraska, in which I think they would be in a troublesome situation in Wisconsin. You don't know what you get with Northwestern because this is in Chicago. Um, and then Minnesota, they're strong play, too. I, I think that they would be feasible to round out the season up against Illinois and Nebraska. But I feel like at least those three games between Wisconsin, to, uh, Northwestern, or Minnesota would be a game that they could get tripped up. Right now, they're bleeding. And I feel like uh, Wisconsin could take advantage of this and win this game this coming Sunday, uh, Saturday. Excuse me. So pay attention to that game closely if Iowa does lose in Camp Randall.
0: Yeah, it's going to be one of those spots, Ty. I love what you said there because this is going to be one of those games where it's going to be a gut check game. And you're going to be able to see, okay, what is this Iowa team made of after riding high and being undefeated, getting punched in the mouth? Are they going to get up and fight back and show everyone that they still are a very good team? Or is this going to be a domino that drops and really derails the season for them? So it'll be a fascinating watch and definitely need to tune into that one, Ty. I agree with you completely. Another game that I wanted to touch on here, Ty, is Oklahoma and TCU. Now, we said last week on this podcast that Spencer Rattler, the Oklahoma quarterback, who was a Heisman favorite by many analysts coming into this season, was on some thin ice, so to speak. And we said on this podcast, he may have lost his starting job. Well, Ty, it came to fruition because the Caleb Williams era has begun in Oklahoma.
1: This guy is sensational. sensational. Uh, they're already talking about he's uh, a freshman All-American team uh, candidate. I think so. I think this is his job. Spencer, you need to file those papers to be a part of the transfer portal. The team is actually finding resolve in this guy coming on the field. He's making plays, not only throwing, he's also running. It had a big scamper to score a touchdown. And, and basically, by the time he got to the seven-yard line, He was getting hit by defenders and, like, shedding them off. It wasn't even like he was, like, running full steam at the seven. He he knew he was getting to the end zone and just, like, watching them fall off of him. This guy is a a beast in a business decision, and he can make the passes too. He may have turned things around for Oklahoma and made them a threat down the road. Hopefully they can hang on as best as possible. But, Spencer, you're going to need to leave Norman as soon as possible.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, Ty. I think he's going to be filing those papers as well because this is the kid that still has a lot of talent, and there's still plenty of meat on the bone there for him, and I think he could certainly go play for another big-time college program and still have a very successful college career, but Oklahoma apparently just has an embarrassment of riches at the quarterback position because – This Caleb Williams kid is absolutely incredible. He lit it up, man, for 295 yards, four touchdowns, 66 yards rushing with a rushing touchdown as well and zero turnovers. He looked like he'd been playing in college football for years. I was so impressed with the way he played, especially to jump in there right in the middle of a ranked big time season, an undefeated season. Versus a Big 12 opponent, and to go in and play that well, I was really, really impressed with what I saw from him. And Oklahoma, for the first time all year, blew out a power five opponent in TCU 52 to 31 in this game. Now, TCU isn't a great team, don't get me wrong, but this was a lights out performance by Oklahoma, and they finally looked like a top 10 team. All right, Ty. So it's time to give out the college football week seven helmet stickers. Who do you got for week seven? Who gets your helmet sticker this week, Ty?
1: I am going to the team that I mentioned with the coach that might be able to get a new job in a good location. I'm going with the Cincinnati Bearcats, Jerome Ford. He had 20 carries, 189 yards rushing, and four touchdowns. This guy averaged nine yards a carry, and I get it. UCF isn't as strong as they used to be. They're a 500 team, but they are conference rivals. They know each other, and he went out there and basically won this game single-handedly. I'm going with Jerome Ford, the running back out of Cincinnati.
0: I love it, Ty. That's a great pick. I'm going to stick with the running back position and go with LSU running back Tyrion Davis-Price. This guy went for 287 yards rushing and three touchdowns versus then number 20 Florida. He broke Leonard Fournette's school record for the most rushing yards in a game by a Bayou Bengal, and he helped propel LSU to the big upset win. He was averaging over eight yards per carry in this game. The Gators had no answers for this guy. He was an absolute beast. Mr. Davis Price, you get my helmet sticker this week. Hats off to you. But Ty, it's time to jump back into the NFL here and update the weekly PGF Power Rankings. I'm going to tell you guys who I think the top 10 teams in the NFL are right now and let Ty tell me where I'm right or where I'm wrong. At number 10, I've got the Kansas City Chiefs. This is still the most dangerous offense in the league. They can flip a switch and blow you out just like they did versus the Washington football team. The defense was better last week. Now, they're still not very good. Don't get me wrong and they've got to limit the turnovers. That has been an issue for the Kansas City Chiefs this year, but this is still a team that is so explosive and still dangerous on any given Sunday. At number nine, I've got the Tennessee Titans. We talked about it. Derrick Henry has put this team on his back. Five straight 100-plus-yard rushing games. He tore up the Bills, who have been really good versus the run this year. They've actually been a top-three run defense in the NFL going into this game. So what he did was so impressive, and this team has holes. Don't get me wrong, especially on defense, but they're the AFC South favorites, and I really like what I've seen from them with the 4-2 and start. At number eight, I've got the L.A. Chargers. I don't want to overreact too much. This is a team I had in my top five last week. They got blown out to Baltimore. We talked about that game. The run defense is a real hole for them, and it showed up in a big way versus the Ravens. But this is still a, a team that's one player or two away and a few bad calls by the ref from beating the Dallas Cowboys and being 5-1 and one on the season with wins over Kansas City, Las Vegas, and Cleveland. So this is still a very good football team. At number seven, I've got the Green Bay Packers. It doesn't always look pretty, but they just keep winning, and they move up again in my power rankings. The defense has a lot of injuries, and that's a concern going forward, but Aaron Rodgers is still playing like an MVP Five straight wins for Green Bay. That week one blowout loss to the Saints feels like a lifetime ago because this team has really got it rolling now. At number six, I've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A rash of injuries, especially on defense, and that secondary that we've talked about. But all they do is win, and Tom Brady is having one of his best seasons at 44 years old. We talked about him in the MVP discussion. This offense is among the best in the NFL. They can get it going and light it up against anybody. If they get healthy, or should I say when they get healthy, look out for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. At number five, I've got the Buffalo Bills. I'm not sure what happened to their defense Monday night. They were one fourth down play away from another win and being in my top two. So I don't want to overreact to this loss. This is still a team that is playing at a high level. We talked about the run game. I feel like they need to figure something out there. You really don't want Josh Allen being your leading rusher. But for me, this is still a team that's a legit Super Bowl contender. At number four, I've got the Baltimore Ravens. John Harbaugh should be the coach of the year so far. And Lamar Jackson is a legit MVP candidate. He's not getting nearly enough respect. 16 players on IR right now, and they blow out a really good LA Chargers team, and they are clearly the class of the AFC North. They're the favorites again and a team to be reckoned with. At number three, the LA Rams. Another dominant win. This team is so balanced. There really isn't a lot of holes on this roster, one of the best rosters in the NFL. They can do it on the defensive side of the ball. They're explosive on offense. They're so well coached. It seems like situationally, they're always in the right formation. They've always got a great play drawn up. They can beat anyone in the NFL. This is a team that I feel like is a legit contender. They've got it rolling, and I know it was against the Giants. It's not a great team, but this offense is just so hard to stop when they can run the ball the way they have throw the ball down the field. They've got playmakers, a very dangerous LA Rams team. They moved up a spot this week at number two, the Dallas Cowboys, another team we've talked about. The Patriots made this too close for comfort, let's be honest. But this team is so balanced, and balance is one of those things I really look for because I think those are the teams that are the most dangerous when it comes to playoff time, and they're so improved on defense. And, Ty, you hit on it earlier. Diggs is the defensive player of the year so far, and this team is rolling. So I've got Dallas at number two. At number one, the Arizona Cardinals, the only undefeated team in the league, the biggest surprise of the league, big blowout win on the road versus a good Browns team without your head coach. That is really impressive. This team is a perfect blend of youth and veterans. They look like the real deal, Ty.
1: I I agree with you with Arizona. I think you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers far too low than what they are. There's no way that I'm giving the Buffalo Bills the leg up over Tampa Bay. I think that needs to be rearranged. It's interesting on the way that I look at the Rams right now because they're fortunate to have the schedule pan out the way that they have. Like a lot of the teams that they're playing and winning against are teams that they should beat. Uh, And they have another favorable matchup this Sunday coming up against the Lions. So it's interesting to wear the Rams that they are, that they are as, as strong as they are. I like the move on the Dallas Cowboys to move them up as far as they are. But a lot of people are giving the Patriots too much credit at this point in time. They are going into battle with a rookie quarterback that is still learning on the fly. I'm not banking a lot of what he did uh, for a lot of people to give them credit. And they also lost Gilmore on the defensive side of the ball. That defense isn't as strong as it was. And with that defense remaining on the field, you're starting to see some of those issues happen while they're getting picked on and watching the guy in Dak Prescott throw for almost 500 yards in Gillette stadium. There's also another one that I'm looking at. I feel like green Bay needs to be moved up regardless if if they're not winning impressive enough, they're going to continue to be a thorn in the people's side. And I feel like they should be right around the level of Dallas, People don't know what happened in that game against Chicago this weekend. He scored a touchdown on the run and looked at the crowd and he said, I still own you. That means he's up to something and he's up to no good. If he's talking mess to a team that is a rival of his and he's talking junk like this, Rodgers is up to no good. I think there's a mix up between 8, 9, and 10. I I don't believe in the Chargers right now after losing so bad on the road. I mean, they may have won a game up against the Chiefs, but right now I feel like the Chiefs may be better than them. Uh, especially with the Chiefs turning this thing around and figuring things out right now, even though they do have the one-game edge up, especially with that win in Arrowhead. I think that they're going to have to prove that they could win in SoFi when they meet later. Tennessee's been playing a great football, especially for what they've been able to do dealing with injury. Some of these pieces are going to start to come back in the fold uh, as the season progresses, but I think that those three teams at the bottom should have some type of mix-up. But the way the Chargers lost this past weekend – I'm not too thrilled with what they produce right now. So we'll have to see them again on the road. I know they'll pick it up again at home, but on the road against a stronger opponent, I want to see if they're worthy of a top 10 spot.
0: Yeah, that's fair, Ty. I'll push back a little bit. I I do agree with you. I think the Bucks might be a little too low. I I, I think you could be right. I could have flipped them possibly, especially with the Bills now with their second loss. But let's face it, it was a really close loss. The reason I've got the Chargers just ahead of the Titans and the Chiefs is I feel like they're still a more complete football team. And the Chiefs' defense has been so atrocious. The Titans' defense really isn't much better. Those are two teams that are very... Offensive centric, where when you look at the Chargers, their run defense isn't great, but their defense as a whole is still a lot better unit than them. And they lost to a good Baltimore team. You know, I don't want to take too much from a bad loss or, excuse me, a blowout loss versus a very good Ravens team that's high up in my rankings here. I know they're high in your rankings as well. So I don't want to overreact to it too much. I still think the Chargers are a very good team with some very big wins on their resume. Packers. This is a team that I'm not going to lie, Ty. I had a hard time deciding where to put them. I had a really hard time because I, I I feel like they're just not quite a top five team, but they're in that discussion. They still have some holes as well. But the one thing that probably makes them a top five team, to your point, is Aaron Rodgers and his lights out play. This guy just continues to play at an MVP level. He has been incredible for them. So You could be right about them as well, Ty. But I love discussing it with you. It's always fun. I love the feedback for sure. But it's time to wrap this up, Ty, with our last segment, everybody's favorite. Pick six. We're going to give you our six best bets of the weekend ahead. Ty, why don't you kick this thing off and tell us who you got first with the pick six.
1: The first team that I'm going to go with is Wake Forest on the road up against Army. They are a strong team. I feel like this game is a game that they get to prove that they are elite. In his top 25, the Army's actually been surprisingly playing games this season, but Wake Forest has been balanced enough to be 6-0 and at this point in time. I'm going with the Demon Deacons to win this one on the road.
0: Ty, I like that bet. And you know what? When we did last week, when we talked about the biggest surprises of the college football season so far, Wake Forest is the team that we probably should have mentioned because what a great story they've been. They have surprised everyone with this great start and they're playing some really good football. So I like that pick with Wake Forest, Ty. My first pick here in the NFL is gonna be the Cincinnati Bengals plus seven at Baltimore. This is a divisional matchup. The Ravens are without 19 starters from the start of the season, coming off of a huge win against the Chargers. Those are usually when you got to look for those letdown spots. The Bengals' defense is getting better. They're not great, but they're showing improvement. Joe Burrow and his weapons, like Jamar Chase, have really been good this year. This Bengals team, they're not ready to contend for this AFC North title just yet. I don't think they're quite there. But I do think that they're going to be a much tougher matchup for the Ravens than most people think. I think they'll be able to keep this close. I think there's value at getting a touchdown with give me the Bengals plus the points.
1: The next matchup that I have, I have feeling like an upset, but they're ranked higher. Pittsburgh to beat the Clemson Tigers in Pittsburgh, three thirty start. Pittsburgh is favored by three. There is something going on in Vegas. I feel like Clemson coming off of an interesting win up against Syracuse. This puts them behind the eight ball up against the Panthers. I think the Panthers shock the Tigers.
0: Yeah, Ty, going into the year, if you would have told me that Pittsburgh-Clemson in the ACC and Pittsburgh would be a three-point favorite, I I can't even believe that we're saying that out loud right now. It's amazing how far the Clemson Tigers have fallen. And Pittsburgh is playing really good football inside the top 25. This could be a really good matchup. And clearly, Vegas likes them in this matchup. So I like that pick tie. My next pick tie, I'm going with the Green Bay Packers. And I'm going to lay the nine and a half points. PGF Nation, you're probably scratching your head because that is not a pick that I normally would make. I tend to stay away from games where I have to lay that kind of number. It's a big number, and I get that. But They're going up against the Washington football team, and this is a team that's really starting to look bad. I don't like what I've seen from this team so far. This is a massive quarterback mismatch here, and you've got to factor in that Washington is without wide receiver Terry McLaurin. He's hurt. Curtis Samuel is hurt, and running back Antonio Gibson is hurt. I think the Packers roll here at home, and I'm going to lay the nine and a half.
1: My last pick, I'm going with the Raiders in Las Vegas up against the Eagles. The Eagles are looking too futile up until this point. I think they're in a dangerous situation where the Raiders are atop the AFC West and have to continue to keep this thing rolling. They are giving three points to the Eagles. I feel like it's close enough, but I feel like the Raiders could also win win this by more than four or a touchdown. I'm going Raiders at home.
0: Ty, I like that pick a lot, and especially with the way Derek Carr has been playing. This is I just talked about the quarterback mismatch in the last pick that I had. This is a big-time quarterback mismatch as well in this one, and it's the perfect segue, Ty, because I'm going to be betting the Raiders-Eagle game as well but I'm taking the over 49 and a half. This is a game where I think both teams are going to be able to move the football. I think it turns into a bit of a shootout. And I just talked about this with how well Derek Carr is playing, especially. I think they put up points in this game. I think there's going to be a lot of touchdowns and not a lot of field goals. So at 49 and a half, I feel like there's value in the over in this one. And that's going to do it for my final pick in the pick six. It's also going to do it for this episode, guys. But if you like the pick six segment and you're into betting football, be sure to follow us on Twitter at PGF podcast, where we post picks each and every week in college football and the NFL and the website pintglassfootball.com. We post those picks by our football betting analyst, Leland Bettencourt. Tons of great plays on there. So if you're into betting, NFL, and college, be sure to check it out. And that is going to do it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it, PGF Nation, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Pint Glass Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at PGF
1: Podcast.